Hey, everybody. We want to thank you all who have supported the show. And anybody who is interested in supporting the show can check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash xchateau, or you can find the link on xchateau.com. We have over 100 episodes, and by becoming a patron, you can get access to 100-plus episodes. Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your hosts, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. Today, we're going to be talking about leveraging celebrity to sell wine, in this case, wine seltzers, with our guest, Albert Hammond Jr., lead guitarist of the band The Strokes and founder of Jetway, which is the wine seltzer company that we're going to be talking about today. Welcome to the show. Indeed, indeed. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we were talking about this a couple of minutes ago before I hit the record button. So maybe you give Peter and me a brief overview of your background and how you decided to found a wine seltzer company. Yeah, definitely didn't start. Those words didn't come out of my mouth when it when it happened. I don't even think seltzers were really on the market. I don't even know if White Claw had had launched yet when I thought of this idea. But yeah, I just had a romantic evening. I don't mean like even romantic among friends, like a nostalgic evening in Italy before going to a MotoGP. And we were having Aperol spritz. And I was just like, in my head, I was like, I just wanted to can it. And then I was like, I want to modernize this. Of course, the American guy who shows up wants to can the beverage. But yeah, so it started there. And then months later, I went to Formula One in Monaco. And it just felt like that kind of drink was missing to be like ready-made. And then I just started dreaming and trying to figure out how to do it. I never actually thought I'd get to a place where I'd have a can on the market just because it's so far-fetched from what I do. And I, you know, people were like, oh, you have to write a deck. And I was like, I don't even know what, what that is. <laughs> or who I, how, what do you make that on? Who do I show it to? I was just coming up with ideas and, and just dreaming, like I was saying before, dreaming of a company that could, started with the drink in my head. And then I imagined, when I imagined modernizing it, I was like, oh man, I want to compete with beer. Like I want to be like a substitute for beer, like a shandy almost. That's when I was thinking of flavors. And then I was like, when I came up with the name Jetway and it's like it's the bridge or gateway before going somewhere. Maybe it's a emotional jetway. Maybe it's a physical one. You're going somewhere. Maybe it's a connection with friends or food. And then I started thinking like, oh man, this could imagine it at the airport and like curating foods I like and, and art and music and other wines. And it kind of went from there and while I was still trying to figure out step one, which was like, how, like, how do you produce this? Or how do you get anyone interested in wanting to do this with you? And that's kind of like, a nugget of what happened, a quick nugget. <laughs> takes a lot to start a business, but maybe just starting with the very basics, what exactly is Jetway? I mean, trying to modernize the Aperol Spritz, but what, what exactly is it? Well, Jetway is an ultra-premium wine seltzer. We called it, seltzer can almost be confusing because I feel like seltzer, in my mind, before I called it, it was, you know, it's fermented sugar cane, I guess, with flavoring. So it's like, Alcohol standards, it's kind of like the bottom of the barrel, kind of, you know, buy a cheap drink, get drunk kind of thing. And I wasn't trying to do that. I am a fan of wine and I do like things. I love food. So the the idea of that being a base felt refreshing. And then there's flavors that I grew up with that I didn't know if they would work with the wine. You know, you just have these ideas. And I mean, they did. They worked very well. I feel like they even enhanced the wine, make a better product together than they are separate. But yeah, it's it's kind of trying to fit into a new category. We called it seltzer because 
we're a small, small startup. And people, whenever I was giving the test batch to people, they just always said seltzer. Like, oh, I get it. Like, it's a seltzer because it's sparkling. I don't like the name wine cooler, even though I guess in some way it's like an updated version of that. It's like a, it feels elevated in its aesthetic. And, you know, spritz just didn't really translate in here. You know, people had more questions than they had answers. <laughs> so for people who haven't seen it or tried it, which is probably still a lot since you're just getting started. Yes. It's wine, like a specific... It's a white wine base and a rosé base. The white wine base, they both have yerba mate, ginger in them. They both have that. And then the white has yuzu and lemon peel. And the rosé has white peach and orange peel. None of them have added sugar, so they're not sweet. They're actually very dry. That's why they pair so well with food. They don't hurt your palate. You know, they kind of like cleanse it so you can have another bite of something else and and still taste it. The rosé is naturally sweeter. I think it has like a, it's a very big peach nose to it, but it doesn't really taste, you would think it'd be very strong when you smell it, but that was the goal. We wanted like a beginning, middle and end to these drinks. So it has a big nose. The color is beautiful salmon color. But it's more watermelon, strawberry, and then it ends very dry. And then the white is more of a shandy, which I was talking about before when before we recorded. Or did I say it how I wanted? Maybe I said it. That's my favorite. It almost tastes like it has bitters in it. It's, uh, it's very dry and clean and refreshing, really. So I'm curious, was there anything in your background that made you feel like you needed to launch this wine seltzer versus... It's great to have ideas, but like, what drove you to actually go and launch a wine seltzer brand? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. I, you don't really know those things sometimes. It's like if you fall in love with something, an idea, I just, I couldn't let it go. And I mean, it went up and down. I failed multiple times. I tried doing it in Europe. And they didn't want to put the flavors together. They said, like, buy something we make and put your label on it. I didn't like, they were too sweet. And then I tried one with uh, Francis Ford Coppola wine, and we, I just couldn't bring the flavors together. And it wasn't until I met Ben Parsons, and uh, we went up to Four Feathers in Prosser, Washington, that the flavors came together, and it was the first incarnation that, that really worked. I don't know. It's just, I guess, it is an excitement, a curiosity. I'll be honest, I didn't, my personality doesn't really think things through. If it gets excited, I just stay with that. And that leads me to a lot of problems. But... <laughs> But, you know, it has its pluses too. But yeah, I didn't like analyze, like like you were saying before, like celebrity brands. I didn't like overanalyze that. I thought it would exist in its own space. I didn't even know, fully understand that I was going to have to raise money. I'd never done that and I raised money. You know, I just, I like ideas and puzzles and putting things together. I like trying to create something that feels nostalgic, but new. I like aesthetic things, so the can art was like a big thing for me. I, I used a friend of mine, she's amazing, uh, Lizzie Nanute, who did the Strokes Angles cover and did uh, a few of my solo things. Yeah, we were just trying to create like something strong, like the Ferrari e- emblem, you know, and like strong lines. And then like uh, as we were creating, like, we created so much art. We had like a 70s soda can almost, but it didn't work. It felt too fun and playful. And then it got to like a coffee shop look to it. And then it kind of, we found a jetway look that felt, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to put words to it that doesn't, that won't make it feel standoffish, but it just, it felt 
sophisticated but fun. It felt like something that you could look at that would be different than just something that you drink. The way, sorry, the way something that you drink like like a seltzer is, which just feels, you know, just quick. Feels like Seven Eleven grab something, which isn't a negative thing. I, it just that's the category it exists in. I always thought like, okay, it's here. I'd like to be, I'd like to be an elevated version of that. So, out of curiosity, in it being a wine based, have you were you historically a wine lover as well? Yeah, I mean, I like wine. I like how it pairs with food. I like the story it has. My dad, growing up, was really into French Bordeaux wines, and he would always talk to me about it and let me smell like just what it smelled like. I know that sounds silly to say, but it's really good wines you could smell for a long time. It's really beautiful to see them open and change, and they really have a story. They're not one-dimensional. And so I just liked I liked that, you know? The whole purpose of the drink was was a pairing of something through a bridge of sorts. That's the the name, you know? So it's like it's like you're doing something physical or emotional where you're pairing with something. And so like Jetway becomes a part of your life. That was like sitting in bed dreaming about it, what I wanted the art and the, the name to reflect. And what about like price point? Like obviously when you're making a product like this, that's pre-made, ready to go. You have to have a target of like who's going to buy it, obviously. So I'm curious on, like you said premium. I looked at the website. It's It looks like for 131, you're getting 24 cans. It's you know, roughly just under $6. Well, that's through DTC. I mean, that's includes free shipping. And it's like, there's only, when you don't have your own infrastructure, there's only so much you can lower it to, right? Price point, is a, that's a good thing to bring up. That's like something when I met Ben, I started to understand that element of business. Like, I didn't know that element of business. I just like, it was just the idea and everything I said behind it. But for sure, I mean, as you, when you're small, things are more expensive because you buy less and your infrastructure is small. And so you can't do things in bulk. That's why people end up, besides the money, end up selling to bigger companies is because they can lower the margin so much because they buy and do so much. So the, the can becomes like two cents, you know, as opposed to like 38. Even the wine becomes so much cheaper because you're doing, you know, 50,000 cases as opposed to five. I didn't know all that. I think my first trials actually probably would have made it even would have made it impossible to buy it would have been too too expensive that was a learning curve yeah but i think the four pack is 14.99 at a store it feels good i mean yeah for sure it's not 12 cans of a normal seltzer or whatever for like 12.99 but it you know it felt what we were giving was worth it the high the flavors the pairing of it and you mentioned you had this idea before White Claw even launched, but since then, White Claw has exploded, the seltzer market exploded for a while, and it may even be, according to some data from some of the big companies like Boston Beer and others, be on the downtrend for seltzer. How do you think about launching a new brand in that kind of market? I feel like some people always ask me, like, oh, it's so saturated. My response is everything that you want to do is a saturated market. There's not one thing where you're like, well, at least there's no one competing with me. It's like music, film, photography, art. I imagine even like construction has its own saturation of of sorts. But I don't know. I don't really, if I get stuck in that, maybe I learned that from music, you know, trying to like figure out what's going to get played on the radio. You just, you'll never do anything. Uh, You're like just chasing something. They say they're going up, it's going down. I felt okay 
with it or excited with it because I felt like we were the hard part was that we were creating almost a new category within a category because where where does it sit you know like where does it sit with wine does it sit with seltzers does it sit I don't know where else it would sit actually but and so yeah that's it's a worry and an excitement though because if you're able to break through in that you've created your own unique space so that's kind of where we were trying to be I guess so as you mentioned earlier you weren't really planning on leveraging your position as a musician, as a well-known musician to help with the wine brand. You were hoping it would just stand on its own, but how have your thoughts changed or how, how is that actually being a musician helped with the wine brand? It must be something that has naturally collided with your day job, essentially. It's funny. It's very similar on how you would launch a new band in doing interviews. And I talk about it, it feels very similar. I answer Similar questions, but with a different story. Trying to find a distributor was like finding a label, you know, like even just the process of making the record and like you have, do you feel like you have good songs on it? You know, like the actual liquid. At the end of the day, the only thing you can really know that you succeeded at was like, you feel like you have a great product that was delicious. It looked great. And so you, you have that, like, you know, you succeeded in that. And the rest is a lot of luck and unknowns and, factors that come in and out and money at certain times you don't know where a break's going to come through you're always just kind of searching but yeah it's i mean it's very stressful had i known how hard it was i don't know if i would have believed it and you just like keep pursuing <laughs> so you mentioned like it's like sort of kind of like launching a, a new band a new project where you have to have all this media and you have to kind of create attention around this you know we saw that you had a couple things on fast company and fine pair podcast I'm curious on how have you leveraged media to create attention for Jetway? I mean, I feel like the story is interesting. The, the people invested in it are interesting. I don't know, the brand, I feel like it's an interesting, beautiful brand. I don't know how, how I leverage it. I don't know if like that's like, think about it like that. Like I'll do X, Y, and Z, and then it'll like create attention. You know, you have you have people who think about that more and they kind of like, try to take you to places that will showcase the brand well and tell people about it. And hopefully they get curious to, to try it and then they love it as much as we do. It's so made up, right? Someone can do something that's like considered wrong and then make it and then everyone wants to do that. That's why I'm saying it's so similar to music. It's like, oh, this, your song needs this to get on the radio. And then one person does the exact opposite, gets on the radio and then everyone's chasing that. No, it's interesting like how you never know what's going to hit until something hits. And so you kind of put stuff out there. There's a level of artistry in the branding, right? Sure, sure. There is. I felt like we achieved that for me aesthetically. But like you don't know. Like like now we were thinking like, oh, it'd be nice to do a brick and mortar here in LA and have like Jetway on draft. That was one thing that we did that was really interesting and different is putting it on draft because it's it's just... It's even better tasting on draft than a, a can, obviously. I mean, that's like a obvious point. But, you know, and it's like, okay, cool. How do we do that? Bring people to the space. They try stuff and they, they can see other things we've curated. Maybe that gets us, a dream was to get us into the airport. Felt like such a good travel drink, you know? And like we create a space that wasn't just about Jetway. It was like an experience to be in while you were traveling. So the same aesthetics and the same... Romance in the golden age of travel exists in a bar in a space that you can see physically. 
I'm curious. So as you've you mentioned, you, there's doing a bunch of things that you haven't done before, like raise money and you know kind of get distribution. I'm curious on how you feel like you being a celebrity has helped you either to raise money or to get things into stores or to create that kind of awareness that people give it a shot because there is a lot of products out there. Yeah, I mean, there is the biggest thing I've noticed is not so much raising money as the people I went to at first, where I was just they were just friends that I wasn't pitching. I was just showing them the deck and like getting feedback. And I think people just got excited by the, the liquid and the, and the deck and the way I was talking about it. But the biggest thing I've seen is like, or it's been surprising to me, is people in, in different companies that would bring in a drink or something like that were like just fans of the band, you know? Like, not that that's impossible to believe, but it's just funny how small the world is when you're trying to sell a drink and someone's like, oh, that's so funny. I, I love your guys' music. It's nice. I always say that those things are like, they might get you a little bit in the in the door, but if you have a really bad product, it's not like something that they would keep doing. It's just like, you know, people have luck of different things. And so that's like a thing that I have. It might even in some ways, what it works for me can work against me. Probably seems ridiculous what I'm doing. You know, like if you were, you know, like, <laughs> why are you making this or a lot of people think like I'm just like someone gave me money to be a part of this <laughs> and don't realize that it's something I created. I actually think that's the unique part of the story that from inception to, you know, rollout, it's, it's all you. Yeah, that's exactly. Not, that, you can't say that about every celebrity brand out there. Yeah. It wasn't like no one approached me and they were like, we really want to make this wine seltzer. Like, what do you think? Like, what would you add? And I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like quite the opposite, the exact opposite. Actually. I don't think I would do something like, like that, just because it's not, uh, I don't know, just doesn't really make sense with what I do as, as performance, you know, maybe write a song for something, you know, or a commercial would be kind of like interesting, a different take. But yeah, I mean, it's been fun. I know I say all this and like in the first ads, I was in them, but it was just the people we were being creative with, Scotty Cameron, who did the early photos of me, like sitting on the can and the ads. He's so smart and creative with with his camera and like, we just came up with fun stuff to do. And so I, be, I, you know, I did them, but it wasn't like, that wasn't like a planned thing. Like, okay, we'll put this out and then I'll do the ads. I really honestly, I guess I didn't understand parts of it or I didn't, maybe I didn't want to understand or I didn't like put my focus on it. But that part can definitely be draining because you can't be at every place doing everything all the time. It's just like, it's not realistic unless it was the only thing I did. But if it was the only thing I did, I wouldn't be going to those things because no one would care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one well, part of what can help being in more places at once is social media where, you know, it's a bit more of a scalable platform. How has social media promotion, whether it's through your own account or through the strokes, help in getting the word out and getting people to try Jetway? Yeah, that stuff is like, you know, black magic. You don't really know. You can't really calculate if it's working till it's working. And once it does, no one knows why it did. You know, it's a good way to, to have people follow you and understand what you're doing, you know, without having to do local press, I guess it makes the world a lot smaller. It can be fun captions and like different, different photos, but it's a double-edged sword in that if you're pitching too much, our Instagram mine, you're selling to fans of the band and that's not the only demographic or people who might be interested in it so it's like ideally it's like you want to branch out from different spots or you want to hit all those 
all those spots and see what what clicks. Whenever I, I've had it on the road when we opened up for the Chili Peppers this summer, and friends and family and friends of friends would come, all different ages, and they all enjoyed it so much that it. I said it early on. They kept asking me like, "What's the demographic?" We got to narrow it down. I was like, it kind of feels like, you know, you could be 70 playing golf, or you could be like 30 at a park. I don't like, it's hard to like narrow it down. And I was kind of right because that's what happened backstage. It wasn't like only enjoyed by certain people. Everyone was really surprised that I didn't make something shitty, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it felt like. It was like, this is actually, uh, this is good. Yeah. That's the conversion when you have a great product and people have tried it, then they'll convert. That could still fail too. A lot of great things fail. Right. But has there been anything in particular that has driven more people than others to get people to try it? I don't know if there's an answer to that. I know we at the San Diego Zoo, they had the rosé and it was doing really well. And I know that we have like someone who does the ads and they can see what they've clicked on. But you can see it, but it doesn't, it's still like, you don't, you don't know, you know, it's just kind of like the sad part. The sad truth is any business is just so you could believe in it. You got to get other people to believe in it. You got to put money behind it and stay alive long enough to like, to find your groove and get people on board. And I feel like a lot of times it's probably really good things that don't make it because they needed two more years or like, you know, like, just there's so many things happen in, in business that you're not expecting, even if you plan for it, just constantly. And uh, and so and being a small startup, you feel that a lot more. You're also able to pivot a lot faster, which is great. I find that larger companies don't really come up with ideas. So that's always fun. That's kind of what they end up buying. But you have to prove it a little bit, you know? So as you mentioned, you raised some money with through some friends as you were kind of bouncing the idea off people, uh, sharing your deck. Most startups, when they're looking for early stage capital, they're not just looking for money. They're actually looking for smart money, like someone that's going to contribute and add. And I know that some of your investors are also celebrities as well in their own right. And I was curious if you could talk a little bit about like who's in your who's in your celebrity mix or who's in your investor mix and what value they've provided to you. Well, the early family is a bunch of people, and like I feel like I don't like I want to like see like the list, but I went to like a variety of different. I didn't even go to them for money. So like Nick Holt, I was friends with from riding motorcycles and we were at Formula One together and I was just showing him the artwork because I thought he would understand because of cars. And then he got excited. Joaquin and Rooney, we were just like, I was showing them to see like color wise, like was it just feedback? So those are close friends to get, to get feedback. I went to Corn, my manager, because he's had businesses like this. And so I thought, oh, cool, have an older person who's been in business. It's just good to see from a standpoint later when you're trying to get money from VCs or just, you know, other people who invest in consumer-based products early on, you know, like there's people who specialize in, there's people who won't come in until you're selling a certain amount, you know, their risk is at different places. And, And in all those people, I've met other people that I've gone to. Some people were just like, David Cross and Mark Forster, I just like was telling them about the idea and they just like, they just immediately wanted to come in. I don't know, it's a weird thing. And then other people you like chase and chase and chase and they're, they're excited about it, but it's new to me. You have, it's like a, I'm not coming in to like hardball anyone. I'm just showing them and if they like it and they're excited by it, then come along. 
You know, it, it does sound like it's like all these, all the people I got just feel they are friends and less like, and they don't really have, most of them don't really have social media. So it's not like a, a pull in that. It was, I think it was a little more just accidental and it was what got the company going. But I think I, right now looking for investors, we're looking in different spaces. I think it excites some investors when they, when they see that. It's funny that it does because really it's just the product itself is really the only thing that excites you because it's not like, I don't know, investors, they just believed in it early on, but it's not like they're going to walk around with it. I just liked it because in a weird way, it attached with like the ethos of the company and it just felt like, felt like uh, something you would, you would want to have, something you'd want to attain. All these people are really great at what they do and are like, I don't know, they're not cheesy people. <laughs> so the ethos, it sounds so organic the way you're explaining it. Just people sort of kind of glom. So, it's so organic. It sounds ridiculous. Cause then it makes you feel like, don't even like saying the names. It makes you feel like, Oh, that's who you're hanging out with. But it's really just like people I've known for a long time and then not, and I didn't go up to them. Like I'm going to go pitch this person who happens to be like famous. It was just like, man, I need to show people who I'm close friends with, like who didn't know I'm doing any of this, like what they feel out of the blue, you know, like, because that's going to be my best response when I go into people who I don't know. <laughs> so all these people are joining because they see your vision and where you're going with it. And it's kind of adding to the ethos of Jetway. Is outside of the money they've contributed to you, how have some of, how have some of them helped you open either other doors or gain some help develop and promote Jetway? Early on, the biggest thing was that they were, the cans were, they looked more like machine parts. Like the white one was a silver can with yellow on it. And that really looked like a piston, you know, it was like really clean and the, and the rosé was orange. And so when colors came along or different ideas from, from when we did like a test and marketing, they helped in that. I don't know how they open doors for other things. It's just like the organic part of the story feels exciting, I guess. It really felt when I pulled them all together, it was like five or six. It felt like, like it was just like a little mafia table because it felt like they, they wouldn't be seen that they would do stuff behind the scenes. I mean, they don't do anything behind the scenes, but it just felt like the Godfather kind of table, you know, the shadows. It really felt like a cool unit that represented, you know, where I wanted the dream of the drink to be. And is your funding round, what you've needed to close, is that done? And and I'm assuming you're maintaining a majority share at this point? It is never done. First, I feel like the first rule of business they should teach you is that even when you're companies that are, successful, like pulling in money and doing well, the, what you want to achieve, they're still looking to raise money or they're still losing money somewhere. You can see it in the, the stock market. Things are still worth stuff that might not be coming in exactly the same way. You know, it's just like, that's just like how business is. And you keep like pushing and pulling and pulling until it gets into a bigger infrastructure. I mean, I'm breaking it down like a dumbass who didn't go to school about it, but I just mean like, it's, it's not like, Oh, fundraising's done and then it works. The fundraising's there so you can do certain things you want to implement. You know, you want to do the brick and mortar. You want to advertise here and there. You want to lower costs. You want to hire more salespeople to reach different areas. You want to open up a new state that DTC is going well at. All that stuff takes, takes money and they're all like new rolls of the dice for the company, right? So maybe you just keep going and you keep getting money and then like, Arizona becomes a state that just like it holds the company together. And it was like your last one, you know, and like you just don't know those things. Or maybe it ends up like just in a, in a chain around America and it works for some reason. Whole Foods. 
yeah, for sure. Whole Foods, yeah, Whole Foods is always a good one. But you can, it's not just about getting into those chains, right? You want to like have people pull product off the shelf too. So it's like, it's getting into those chains and then like finding the advertiser. There's ideas for ads that we want to do, but even that would cost money. So it's like, you need to raise money for that. It's the same way that like, you could say like, when you were saying like, oh, trying to pinpoint something, it's like that Apple Super Bowl commercial, just like really kicked everyone in the crotch. You know, it was like an amazing, but that costs a lot of money. A, for the ad and for the filming, the directory got, but like talk about putting it in the right place. So it's, you know, that's a much bigger beast, but it's just in a small scale, you can still always be trying to do that. It sounds like for your friends that are investors, they're not doing any active promotion of it. Do you see that changing as the brand grows and maybe gets more successful and you bring new investors on that might also have some level of uh, followership themselves that you might want them to participate in the marketing of the brand? I mean, I'm not stopping. I would never stop people from doing stuff. But I, at that stage when I was getting money from them, I never expected anything. So the money and the belief in what I was trying to do was beyond anything I could have expected. So it's not like, oh, can you do this too kind of thing? Because it just like, it just didn't feel like the right, there's different people who invest and you can ask for different things, you know, like you ask someone who is an ad company and they want to invest, but they'll do the ads and that becomes part of, part of it for sure. I mean, I think we're looking at that now. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, it's old fashioned, but I don't know. I don't know if I need like, people with a lot of followers on Instagram to post about it for it to sell, or that's the only way for it to do it. Then it's like, then it's just about how much you can raise and paying someone to be part of it, which is fine. But that's another, that's at another place. That's when you've gone a little further to find that like an ambassador or something like that to help reach a different audience. Yeah. I mean, it's all, I'm using all the pieces. It's just that there's only so much in my hand right now that I could use, but yeah, of course, all those pieces are, I'm aware of and thinking, how do, how do we get there? But they're easier said than done. So just for some context, what year was it officially launched that you would consider like, hey, the, the, the current versions of the products are? San Diego was, a few weeks ago was a year. Okay. And so and now, like, how have you seen production change? Like, I always think of when people start up, it's like, you go to your immediate network of friends and family, like, help me buy this and, you know, and, and taste this and enjoy. And people are buying into you as well. But like, how have you seen that growth over that year? I mean, just the different, well, we're in like 200 plus stores in California, I think, on and off premise. You know, we got into Disneyland early on, on draft. They've changed the menu, but I think we'll get back there in the spring, maybe with the white instead of the rosé. Owen Wilson's an investor I wanted to get on next to the car ride at California Adventure. I thought that's a perfect, why wouldn't you put it there? We went from our first can, which was like a sticker around, and now we have lasered cans. So I feel like that kind of where I wanted to be with them. So now the the can is prettier. I don't think you asked that, but I just don't know why I thought of it. Well, what is the production level right now for Jetway? The last batch we made was a month or two ago. And when did we make? I feel like I'd be lying if I told you 2,500 cases, 5,000 cases. <laughs> I don't remember the number. It was thought of, we saw it financially, we chose, left my brain. I think the, the, the goal was to sell 10,000 cases in a year. So like when we ran out of the first batch, we made another batch. But I don't know where we are in that. Okay, got it. 
And so in terms of like your understanding of that, hey, if your goal is 10,000 cases, how much of that was kind of like from that organic network of, of people you knew in your relationships versus people who were just coming to the brand because of marketing oh, or, or awareness? I think it was mostly people who were just coming to the brand. I imagine when we launched DTC, I sent an email out and some people got it. And there's people who got it at the store. I'm, my mom is a giant fan. <laughs> but I don't, I think the amount of product we moved isn't based off of friends and family. It's, uh, I don't know how much through ads and social media and how much through just curiosity because it's in a place and it's, if you want a low ABV, refreshing drink at a certain time with certain food, you might just pick it out of curiosity. I don't know, but it's definitely not, man, I'd love to be able to support the first year just with friends and family. That would be so much easier. Yes. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> they're all, they need more pool parties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need a lot of pool parties. So celebrity alcohol beverage brands seem to be growing in number quite a bit, whether it's tequila or whiskey and wine and beer and all sorts of stuff. Why do you think this is and do you see that trend continuing? I mean, it's just, uh, A, people like to drink and alcohol is an enormous business, enormous, right? And I think that if someone is successful in pulling people into a theater or through music or some kind of public place and they're able to use that in not just what they do as a living, I think that someone, their business manager, someone is probably just like trying to branch out their money the same way they would not publicly. You know, people are always like, oh, you put a little retirement, you put a little into life insurance, you put a little into the stock market, you buy some real estate. They're just doing that into other things. I imagine some people liked what they're doing or like they had a passion for it. I don't want to make it sound so like cold. It's just, you know, it makes sense. What else? It's like a new, you know, you were talking about Instagram and social media, like, wow, what a new tool you have to sell something. You know, there's people who are famous enough that they could probably sell, you can have their own merch company. They might even, they might have that, their own production company, their own drink, their own line of everything. Cause they have, they have their infrastructure on this thing. You know, they don't even really need to do anything. And then I think in that you can, Money doesn't sell something or make it successful, but it definitely helps to be everywhere. Your money, you can like, alcohol space is a lot of pay to play. Maybe everything is really until you're successful. And, you know, so I guess if you have yourself a big infrastructure, you can invest more in it and then just be in places. Then hopefully like enough time passes and people just keep wanting it. I think the big thing was, you know, George Clooney and Gerber. What was his, what's his first name? I don't remember. Ryan. Uh, you know, they did that and made a big thing grow. And so maybe everyone was kind of chasing that. But there's literal people in the world that are investors for very rich people. I'm talking about very rich people, NBA players, football players who take their money to invest in stuff that'll grow, whether it be a food chain or whatever. They're just like, they find something good and they, the people doing it who invest like already have the infrastructure of like they own real estate all over America. And so like they just need like a famous person's name, a bunch of money and a good product. And then in one year they could be in 300 restaurants in America and all of a sudden the thing blows up. So it's like, it's not like a new concept, but I will be honest. It is, it has felt annoying to be in the space and be another asshole in the space. It will be, it's not, it's not a fun, it's not a fun feeling. It's like, great. I just like, I don't know. But whatever, I I, uh, I followed this idea and it was exciting and I created something that I really liked. So whatever, 
<laughs> well, thank you for sharing the, the journey. It's been interesting. So we like to end every episode on a personal note. I'm curious, and this might be a little different for you, but what was the most memorable wine or seltzer or drink that you've had in the last year? And who did you drink it with? Most memorable. I mean, speaking of, of Jetway, that, that's quite easy. It might be slightly over a year, but not much. When we put it in the tank and it's like a huge tank, I don't know how high it is, how many thousands of gallons, but we went to go try the mixture. You try it before they can it. And uh, we called it tank time. And we had these little glasses and we kept, it was like this little plastic straw. We kept filling it and it kept getting this great head on the drink, which is so cool because it's wine, but it kind of felt more like beer. And just that hour there was incredible. I was, we were there with Ben, who was like my co-creator in this and ATM, who's our sales director. And we just like, couldn't, we couldn't leave. We couldn't believe it. It was just so delicious. We we're like, oh man, I can't wait for everyone to try this. So that was a pretty memorable buzz. Right. So it's just everything coming together to actually yeah. taste the product. Because when you're doing the taste tests, it's never as carbonated or cold or mixed as well as when they do it in the tank. When they do it in the tank, it's like everything comes together. So when you're trying it, there's a little bit of like imagining what it might be, which is scary. Because you're like, I think this is right, but I won't know really. And so, you know, they can still do little tweaks afterwards. But that was like, oh shit, like Eureka, we did it. I felt very successful that day. I was like, I just felt like we made it. <laughs> awesome. Far from it, but it was. It felt like it. No, that's a, that's a great memory and lines up with the timeline. So, uh, well, thank you for sharing your journey. This has been super interesting, and it's great to hear that someone takes an idea from inception all the way through and figures all the stuff along the way. I can I can only imagine the, how much stuff you've amassed in your brain from doing this. Oh my god, too much stuff, really. <laughs> I know too much. I must be stopped. <laughs> no, yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for joining. Don't forget to support the show at xchateau.com or patreon.com slash xchateau. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, Shame. cheers. Cheers.